welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for March 23rd, 2022. With Omicron cases diminishing in the U.S., the service industry stands to make strong gains in 2022. This is welcome news to the economy, which has been hit by the pandemic, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and high inflation. Nationwide's Deputy Chief Economist Brian Jordan and Senior Economist Ben Ayers provide their outlook on the economy in this post-Omicron phase and what sectors will benefit the most. And now, here's Ben Ayers. Hello everyone, happy to be joined today by Brian Jordan and today we're going to be talking about hopefully some positive news. There's a lot of I would say uh, unsettling news out there, whether it's the impacts of Russia and certainly some of the volatility that we're seeing in response to the Fed. So a lot of commentary out there right now, but I'm not sure there's enough commentary being talked about what's going on with the potential economy over the next two months, particularly with COVID cases falling rapidly, or actually much more rapidly than we probably thought a few months ago and are already starting to see some very positive signs of growth that could help propel the economy in the middle of the year, particularly across the service sector. So Brian, you know, what is the upside potential here? What are we seeing? Are there early signs, particularly as we're coming off of Omicron, a very good activity? And what are you seeing across the service sector space right now? Yeah, I think uh, there are some very positive signs. And in fact, some positive signs even before Omicron faded. Services spending picked up fairly dramatically in 2021. We had some big gains, especially in the middle of the year. In the second quarter of last year, spending on services was up by 11.5% on an annualized basis. It followed that up with an 8.2% gain in the third quarter, then grew again at a healthy clip in the fourth quarter. So we were starting to see services spending pick up before the, the recent fade in new pandemic cases, and we can expect it to continue here in 2022, especially should the new case count continue to move lower. There is a lot of room to the upside here. If we go back to the beginning of the pandemic in early 2020, since then, spending on services is up by just 1.2% on an annualized basis, even after those big gains in 2021. At the same time, spending on goods has been up by 8.6% on an annualized basis. So a big imbalance between good spending and services spending. There's a lot of room for catch-up. I think we're going to see that here in 2022. Obviously, though, we still have a, a great number of cross-currents impacting consumer spending, impacting the economy more generally. What should we worry about going forward that may temper these numbers, Ben, in the next couple of quarters? Certainly, we're keeping an eye on, as you mentioned, some key cross-currents from coming across. I think, you know, first and foremost, when I think about what's happening in the service sector, it's labor market. And can the businesses, particularly when we think about restaurants, travel sector, hotels, as we do expect to see some bounce back in activity there, and actually I've already seen some, are they going to be able to get the workers that they need to be able to fill out the staffs? And that's one of the big questions as you look out there, because labor market is very tight. Uh, and when you factor in many people that are still sitting on the sidelines and haven't come back into the labor market, making things very difficult for many service sectors to service sector businesses to find workers and thus maybe respond to a surge in activity because they don't have enough people able to work. So I think that's first and foremost. 
And I think secondly is inflation and what's going on on the price front of things. You know, particularly recently, as we've seen a big increase in gas prices, what impact does that have on the travel sector? We've seen a big increase in airline fares. Uh, and so as those prices go up, you know, a lot more expensive to do that road trip, a lot more expensive to fly across the country to do that trip. You know, while we are seeing more activity, and in fact, many of the throughput numbers from the Transportation Sa- Safety Administration show that the numbers are improving rapidly and almost up to 2019 levels in some cases. And that's some downside potential there as you see p- many people react, you know, sticker shock when you see the much higher airline fares, not going to be able to afford that. And then even further, when you just think about the general rise in prices that we're seeing, you know, with the CPI up almost 8% a year-over-year basis as of February, that's putting a lot of crunch on many households' bottom lines. And you think about what's the first thing that many people might cut back on? Well, it might be going out to dinner. It might be going out and and going to the movies. Or maybe yet again, you you ratchet back what you're expecting from a, a vacation. So while I think there is... You know, certainly some pent-up demand because of the pandemic, and as we're finally getting to the point where maybe we can talk about an endemic phase of, of COVID-19, I think there are some hang-ups there that could certainly for many households prevent that from happening over the next three to six months and maybe pull back on the growth that we expect for the service sector on the margins. So, Brian, when you look out and you see upside potential, you know, maybe some things that are holding things back, what are we expecting for uh, the growth over the first couple quarters of 2022, and how does that set the stage for the overall economy for this year? Well, we already have a fair read on the first quarter. The first quarter is almost over, of course. We have a lot of data points for Q1 already in the bag by this point. So we're going to see something close to flattish, maybe a very modest increase in the first quarter. Though see a stronger increase in Q2, and for the for the year we should see a fairly healthy gain, a fairly healthy pace of expansion for GDP. You're absolutely right. We have a a, a great number of cross currents. We still do have a lot of upside uh, drivers that I think uh, uh, by the end of the year will offset those negative factors, more than offset those negative factors. Most importantly, you alluded to it, we've got a very tight labor market. The unemployment rate is south of 4%. We've had very strong job growth, nearly 7 million jobs created in 2021. We've seen the pace of job growth actually accelerate here in the early stages of 2022. Wage growth is having a hard time keeping up with inflation, of course, but it has been very healthy. And we know from the experience of the 1970s and early 1980s, the consumer spending can hold up very well, even in a, in, in a sustained inflationary event. This is what theory would, would suggest, and this is what actually happened in the 1970s and early 1980s. Consumer spending held up very well until the Fed aggressively pushed interest rates higher, inverted the yield curve, and sent the economy into recession during those periods. In fact, we had four recessions during the great inflation uh, from the late 1960s to the early 1980s. Consumer spending only fell below the zero mark, only moved into negative territory on a year-over-year basis in two of those episodes. And throughout the period, consumer spending actually outpaced real GDP growth. So I think the consumer is going to hold in well because of the labor market, because of a very low debt burden. The household debt service burden is extremely low. The financial obligations ratio is just off of an all-time low, still below, well below its its long-term average. 
And net worth, even after likely taking a hit here in Q1 with uh, a decline in the stock market, net worth has soared since the end of the recession in 2020. Uh, From the first quarter of 2020 to the end of 2021, net worth was up by 36% household net worth. And that's more than double the long-term average for this period in the early stages of a bull market. Uh, That should mean wealth effects. That should mean a fairly healthy pace of of consumer spending growth. We've got a real mix in in the major confidence metrics. But the conference board's measure of consumer confidence, which um, is very much a function of the labor market situation, is relatively high, in fact, quite high for for this stage of the cycle and um, given where we are in in the Fed cycle as well. And so I think all signs point to a fairly decent pace of consumer spending growth here in 2022, especially over the next couple of quarters. That should mean a fairly decent pace of economic growth as well. So Ben, given this outlook and given our expectation broadly that the economy is going to continue to expand for the remainder of this year and probably likely into 2023 and beyond, what does this mean for the inflation rate and what does it mean perhaps more importantly for what the Fed might do in response? No, great question. I I would certainly agree. Well, my previous comments were rather on the downside. I, I agree. I think the the preponderance of the, the the indicators that we would look at for consumer spending are still pointed upward. Certainly, there are some cross currents, but um, I think overall the, the general trend should continue to be positive. You know, with regards to you know inflation and the Fed, you know a, a lot of that is almost a separate discussion from this as far as what happens on supply chains and what happens with oil prices. But I think when you look at more core core CPI and core inflation, I think it's still pointed uh, in a relatively elevated direction. I I think we're probably reaching a peak for most of these inflation indicators relatively soon. Kind of that depends on what happens, obviously, in in the price environment, particularly on the oil front over the next month or two. But I I think we are approaching a peak for inflation, which, you know, yet again, pretty high peak here. And I do think it's decelerating from here, but still going to be elevated. I, I think if you look at the core CPI, it's probably still about 4% by the end of the year. As you look over 2023, I think it's still going to be about 3 to 3.5% by the end of 2023. You know, this compares to really the Fed's goal for inflation is about 2 um, to maybe 2.5%. So we're certainly expecting a, a slightly faster pace of inflation over the next year, year and a half than what we've seen historically. And that's still driven by a lot of consumer demand. Uh, as the consumer demand continues to move forward, um, particularly for the services side, which to this stage, most of the conversation about inflation has been more on the good side and understandably so. I think it's going to shift over to more talking about service side inflation. And as we see these continued consumer demand that we've been talking about, I think that will continue to push up those service costs and keep that services side of inflation pushing the overall inflation up at a slightly above trend face for the next couple of years. Now, certainly the Fed's going to have to respond to this, and they've certainly signaled this year that they will respond quite aggressively as they try to get ahead of this, because we have to keep in mind that Fed policy always acts with a lag. And so the reason we haven't talked about an impact on growth this year too much 
from the Fed is because really most of the impacts can be more felt next year, maybe even not until 2024. So, you know, I really think that as we look over the course of the year, while we will see inflation decelerating, we expect to see that the Fed will continue to be relatively aggressive, Uh, maybe not as aggressive as they signaled very recently, but still, I think overall uh, an aggressive upward path and more restrictive path for, for monetary policy as we look ahead for the next year and a half. Brian, as we look to wrap up, just curious, any further thoughts on the Fed and anything you might that might shift them away from the aggressive stance that they're looking at uh, as they just announced at last week's FOMC meeting? Yeah, I think there are many things that could move the Fed away, at least from the stance that they telegraphed at last week's meeting. The stock market, for example, could falter. And in fact, we you know recently hit correction territory in the S&P 500. Uh, we've had a nice little rally over the past uh, several sessions. We're still not sure we're out of the correction yet. However, we won't know that until we move back to an all-time high. So there's still the potential for stocks to falter again. And historically, a weaker stock market has meant that the Fed has stepped back to the sidelines, or the Fed has at least pursued a more tempered pace of of rate hikes. In fact, if you look back over the last 30 years, the Fed has never raised rates with the S&P 500 more than 15% below its all-time high. And in fact, there's only once raised rates in in, in that period with the S&P more than 10% below its all-time high. So a pullback again in the equity market could drive the Fed to a more measured, a more tempered pace of, of, of tightening, an escalation of, of the war in Eastern Europe, um, which could have more impacts on supply chains that obviously would push inflation higher, but also could push growth lower as well. And if nothing else, lead to lead to greater uncertainty. Something along those lines could temper the Fed going forward. And an economic soft patch, even in the best of times, I think we've laid out a mostly constructive scenario today for the economy. I think there are many reasons to believe the economy is going to continue to expand at a healthy pace, even with Fed tightening, even with high inflation, at least um, over the course of 2022 and probably beyond. But even in the best of years, the economy is prone to short-term soft patches. We almost always have periods where job growth slows for a time. We very frequently have periods where job growth slows for for a time, when when manufacturing activity slows for a time. And that could be a a special risk in the months ahead, given the strength in the dollar in recent weeks. And so any of these things could slow the Fed's pace of of rate hikes. But even if the Fed produces the rate hikes that it says it's going to engineer over the course of this year and next, this would still be a fairly measured, a fairly tame tightening cycle by historical standards. It would be more aggressive, obviously, than the 2015 to 2018 cycle, which was the slowest in modern history. The Fed raised rates once in 2015, once in 2016, very measured, um, very slow rate hike cycle. This would be more aggressive than that, but it would be more tame than virtually every other rate hike cycle we've had in the last half century. And we can all we can go back to the the rate hike cycle of 2004 to 2006 to see your point that monetary policy acts with a lag. The Fed raised rates fairly aggressively, at least relative to what it has laid out for the next couple of years and what it did in the last cycle at that time, raising rates at 17 straight meetings from mid-04 
to mid-06. And it took until early 2006, very late in that cycle, before the housing market finally peaked and we finally started to see declines in home sales, declines in, in home prices. And obviously, that was the leading indicator, a leading indicator for the recession and bear market that followed. It took some time. It took a fairly steady tightening uh, policy from the Fed before we saw the economy crack and eventually roll over into an outright recession. I think that is going to be true this time as well. The Fed may continue to, to raise rates steadily here. It's going to take some time before they really bite the economy and the financial markets. So with that, we will wrap up. Thank you, Ben, and thank you all for listening. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.